recorded at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios. It's the Mission Control Podcast. Hey, everybody, we're back for another episode. Daryl, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're going to have a good night tonight. We're oh. here with Tim Hoskin. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no worries. Looking forward to it. Cheers. We've got some uh, glasses here with us with some nice whiskey in it. We're going to sit back and have some drinks and have a good chat. That's awesome. Well, so what do we have here? We've got... All right. So brought two bottles for you guys. Uh, i got the Moonshine, Crazy Uncle Moonshine, and then the Upshot Whiskey. So, Hell yeah. Um, Upshot Whiskey is the first whiskey we actually brought out, and before we had any whiskey to sell, it's quite a young distillery, uh, we had the Moonshine. So Moonshine essentially is the new make spirit before you barrel age it into a whiskey. So it's really cool to try. It's all whiskey starts off clear and white like that guy. Ah. It's not until it goes in the barrel it gets all those beautiful flavours and stuff like that. But so it goes brown because of the wood? Is that Yeah, right? yeah, definitely because of the, the wood and the oak that you use to, to kind of get most of those flavours. But um, it's really cool to try the white spirit first because all the flavours in there are just from the grains that we use and that kind of thing. So if you try that first, you pick up what's happening from the process, how we distill it, how you make it. Then when you try the actual whiskey, you realise what the actual wood's doing into it. Whereas if you just try whiskey by itself first... You kind of don't know where the flavors are coming from, the barrel or the grains or the ferments and that kind of thing. So oh, that's it's awesome. pretty cool. To- I will say it is very warm. It's got a nice warm flavor that's to it. Yeah, yeah. This is the actual whiskey. So well, obviously it's not um, Grandpa's Backyard Moonshine. No, nah, not at <laughs> no. all. Um, <laughs> might have started that way, but no, nah, not now. It's nice and, nice and refined. Um, we call it a moonshine, um, but it's not your typical moonshine like you would get from the States or kind of out in the uh, mountains there in the south or whatever. Um, it's actually quite quite clean, but we call it moonshine because, as I was saying, it's literally straight off the still, um, and it's a new make before the whiskey, which is typically what, what moonshine was, because we make a, a bourbon-style whiskey for our whiskey, which is uh, mostly from corn, and that's classically what moonshine was. It's a corn-based spirit um, made illegally, I suppose, and kind of yeah. pumped out <laughs> under moonlight. That's where the term moonshine comes from. So. Oh, right. But, yeah, so... So it, it was done under the cover, is it because it was like in secluded, like you weren't supposed to do it? That's why they call it moonshine? Yeah, because yeah. all these guys used to get hunted down by because that was during Prohibition and stuff as well yeah. in the States, mm. like, uh, where it all kind of kicked off. So um, it's completely illegal to make any sort of booze. Um, so the only way you could do it was hiding out up in the mountains. Um, right. But obviously you need to be able to see what you're doing. Yeah. So when it was a beautiful, clear sky with a bright moon, folks would go out there and get stuck into it and... Want to have a crack? So. That's awesome. So they just like met it in barrels and stuff at, yeah. at the backyard? Yeah, well, that's it. I think, well, <laughs> if they, they were lucky enough to actually get it into a barrel, otherwise they just couldn't wait. Since it's coming off the still, mate, they'd be yeah. straight down to the kind of <laughs> old speakeasies, whatever was like, cranking yeah. out those days. And yeah. <laughs> Is it a myth that they started making them in like baths? Like, because they were just doing it, like, DIY at home? Or is that just stuff I saw in, in the cartoon? But, no, I think, yeah. well, I speak to anyone that's ever had a crack at, you know, making booze at home yourself. Um, you always kind of got to use what's available. Yeah. Um, and then you get excited and you want to make bigger batches. And I suppose the biggest kind of open vessel anyone's got in their house is a bathtub. So yeah. you kind of, you know, you fill it up and, yeah. But um, hey, Jimmy, I'm trying to have a bath here. <laughs> it tastes awesome, though. Yeah, this I is think. the thing. I, I don't, I don't. I don't drink enough to know like the subtleties. Yeah, but yeah. How would you describe like the the upshot? Like, um, yeah. Well, subtle is actually a good word. I, like for our first whiskey, you really wanted to have something just super approachable. Um, mainly because really, like we love focusing on education at the city as well. So love to get people down. So classic blokes like yourself, if you never drank much whiskey before, mm. do tours and get people in and actually talk about how it's made. So for the first whiskey, we want something really smooth and approachable. Because if you made a real bold, ballsy whiskey first, I think because it's, cause it's 
you know, it's high proof alcohol, you know, so it's, if you're not used to drinking it, it's kind of, all you're going to get is that burn. So mm, yeah. starting off with kind of a nice, light whiskey, um, then we're kind of moving into our bigger, bolder stuff. But for, for this guy, yeah, it's very similar to a bourbon-style whiskey. Um, so... Another thing is we can't actually call anything a bourbon in Australia. Bourbon's got those territory laws like Champagne in right? France and stuff. Oh, so, yeah, really? just in the yeah. US. Yeah, um, cool. So classic things for bourbon, though, it's, it's made mostly from corn um, and Asian brand-new um, fresh virgin white oak barrels. So we've made similar to a bourbon style, but um, we use all local grains from WA and stuff, and we do it a little bit differently. And our climate's a big win for us as well, so you kind of get a unique ageing and quite different flavour. So it's very similar to a bourbon. It's nice and sweet and light. But um, it's a little bit different from our local grains and stuff, so That's awesome. kind of a nice spin on a bourbon. So we call it Australian whiskey, I suppose. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we. Yeah. And the uh, the t- distillery itself is out in East Perth. Yeah, it's uh, right? in East Perth, just on Kensington Street there, um, yeah. real close to the Claysbrook train station. Um, the place we got used to be the old Morris Nuts factory. I don't know if you guys have Morris Nuts. Big stripe, they make candy nuts and shit like that. Um, oh, no, I think that does ring a bell. You would have nibbled I would, on them a bit I if, totally if you got a grandma, you would have, you would have had yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, that was the place before we got it uh, about three years ago. Um, yeah, then heap of kind of renos and stuff like that and put a steel and all the good stuff in there. So, yeah, yeah. doing all right at the moment, a little tasting bar and stuff. So. So what's the history like? Like, um, do you know much about the history of – because, like, we, we were looking at the website. Yep, yep. It's been around for a, a, a while. Yeah. Um, but I guess, so So, what's your part in, in, in this whole thing? Yeah, so um, first of all, just I suppose that anyone that makes booze for a living um, has got to be extremely lucky in some form or another. You've got to kind of <laughs> know the right people. Um, for me, though, I've always, well, I've been mad with home brewing since I was super young, always loved making booze and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, really wanted to, I was looking at getting involved in whiskey and making whiskey because no one's really doing it in Australia. There's a few up and running now, but when we're talking about this, um, about 10 years ago, nothing was really happening. But, yeah, really a, a bit of luck. So um, good mate of mine, Jimmy, um, he's from Narragin where I grew up as well. Um, I remember sitting back at a pub once and I was talking to him about how you really look at starting a distillery and I'd love to do a craft brewery, but there's so many craft breweries. And he's just sitting there smiling and stuff. I was like, what are you fucking smiling at? It's a great idea. Like, what, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'll tell you something a bit later on. Um, and it turns out him and his brother-in-law, um, Alistair, had this bit of a plan to get something going. Um, Alistair had a bit of a history with... A guy he used to live next door to, um, and they'd done a bit of travel and kind of refining a recipe. Um, so I was kind of involved and hanging around from the start just because purely I was excited about it. And then, um, yeah, I suppose I was kind of hanging around, and um, I'm an engineer by background, so I was kind of helping out with a few of the smarter type things. And eventually it was like, well, fuck, you want to come on full time? Um, and then, yeah, about probably four or five months since the city opened, I was on board making whiskey, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like uh, in Narragin? Um, yeah, Narragin, I don't know. I uh, always say it's a great place to grow up. I think you kind of, I was a young bloke, though, I think, um, like any small country town. Um, there's only a few amount of jobs and that kind of thing. I've still got mates that live there now and do quite well, but most people in Narragin, actually, you, anytime I go anywhere, any, I've been over in, I was in Scotland. I did a tour at a um, uh, famous grouse distillery um, just out of Edinburgh. And there was a bloke there from Narragin on the tour. Like, Narragin people everywhere. Like, I don't know whether Narragin is like, I don't know, people just want to get so as far away from that town as they can, so yeah, they spread. But yeah. no, I just, I don't know, it's a, it's a really good place to go. He's a sport and that kind of thing. Um, not much to do, though, I suppose that's why you play a lot of sport and you generally get a bit of mischief and that kind of thing as well. But um, yeah, no, good place to go up. Um, good music community in that down there as well. It's kind of other thing yeah. you just kind of get stuck into. But. Yeah. So what what made you move to Perth? Was it the fact that you wanted more opportunity and just kind of 
get away from the environment a bit? Yeah, or? pretty much. Well, I'm, I was playing in a, a band in Narragin, um since about 15, 16. And obviously, when you're that young, you're like, this is what I'm going to do, man. Like, <laughs> rocking out at the school social, had a few gigs at the pub. It's like, this is it, mate. Well, you've yeah. got this made, you know. Um, and then a couple of guys in the band got trades and they were working and stuff. And I was at school and I was kind of hanging around looking for work and did a few kind of crappy jobs and all of a sudden you kind of get hit a bit reality. It's like, well, fuck, what am I actually going to do kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so then I decided to move to Perth for a bit. Um, back in my mind, I was always thinking about going to uni and stuff like that. I'd done my TA and everything. But um, yeah, basically just kind of Perth, started working, hanging out and kind of away from there just because it needed work really. So Yeah, yeah. 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 Where are you from? Huh? Aren't you like you, no? Well, you grew I, up I, in I Mount, lived, Mount Magnet. Yeah, I lived up in Mount Magnet for a couple of years. Yeah, shit, Mount Magnet. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's a bush town. Yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's a real bush town, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's that same thing. You know, in those small communities where you almost like you, you hit a brick wall as what you can do in those towns. Mm. And the, the only thing you can really do is move somewhere bigger and more yeah. opportunities. Yeah. 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 Do you feel like you leave you you're leaving your friends behind when you when you come over here? Like, yeah. Well, actually, do you that, miss it some in a way, like in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, that was actually a big part of it because um, had all your friends there, and there's lots to do, especially when you're younger. Like, you finally well. We used to go on a sneak into the pub and stuff when we were like 15, 16 anyway, but you finally seven, 18, you actually can do all this cool shit in the town. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting, you know, but um, I suppose it doesn't take too long. It's like anything, you know, and then actually have mates start moving away. So there's more mates in Perth then. So actually a lot of the mates that I had actually moved to Perth to do apprenticeships. And then as soon as they finish apprenticeships, they actually don't like the city. They straight back to the country, but they yeah. need to be able to get that yeah, qualification exactly, yeah. and shit like that. So Yeah, it's weird. You always find your... You always travel a lot, and then you find your way back home. You just end up yeah. back home and, and, and missing yeah, it. Yeah. I only get back because more all my family's up in um, Perth now as well. If they were there, I'd definitely go back a lot more. But I still got some good mates. Actually, um, a real good mate of mine has just bought a house and gone and moved back there, so I can go back there and see him a fair bit more now. But probably only once or twice a year um, get back down there. There's actually a really good um, kind of music community. There. There's a few guys that are just real supportive of the young guys. Um, when I was there, that was happening, and then it kind of died in the arse. And it's finally picked back up in the last probably three, four years. Um, just because of a few key guys down there. So every year, it's got a Big Bash music festival, um, and they start at like 10 in the morning, and it's like all the young guys, like as young as you know, six, seven years old, trying to have a crack. Then the old crusty blokes come out of retirement, start playing on the old the old <laughs> rusted-up guitar. Yeah. Um, BSI always take a band down or some crew. We kind of put a set on and stuff like that as well and just kind of rock out. But yeah. what, are, what do they play up there? Is there, there a lot of rock and metal and stuff, that sort of thing? Yeah, um, kind of a, a, a big range. Um, funny enough, being the kind Country, no country music. I don't think anyone <laughs> likes country music in the actual country itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of. Yeah, you always get. Oh, it's a small town. So like when I was there, there might be like one metal band, one punk band, one kind of guys trying to do insane prog rock type stuff, and then that was kind of about it. But um, I remember actually it was a big like learning curve, kind of moving to Perth and figuring out how the music scene actually works. Because in Narragin, um there's not enough bands to put on like a gig like you would here, like three or four bands that kind of. Yeah, so yeah you'd have to go to the pub and play for like four hours. So that means you had to actually play a lot of covers, which is yeah. good when you're young music because you've got to learn anyway. So, <laughs> so I'd say I thought everything worked. Um, so when we like first thing, we went and bought our own PA and stuff because you had to bring everything. So you bring your own PA, you go play parties, you play a heap of covers. In each set, you probably play about three or four originals and that kind of thing. And then um, they remember coming to Perth and trying to figure out how you get gigs and all that kind of shit. And it's like, ah, oh, so you don't have to play covers? Fuck yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so it's yeah. a sad thing that cover bands still make more money than real bands. Yeah, that always hurts a bit. <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's like a necessary thing almost, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to have a bit of a 
chip on my shoulder about how much cover bands are making but then I was like you know what more power to you if you're making money yeah. out of yeah. this industry then more power to ah, you, you know? it. Yeah. I've got some mates that actually generally enjoy it too they love it like, yeah, you know, like, so it's like if you're having fun and you're making money like, you're, fucking, you're doing better than everyone really yeah. that's mm. the dream you know, so. yeah if you can like pay for your fuel yeah, yeah, that's, that's like it. that's a dream. Yeah. yeah, I'm just happy with a bar rider these days. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so you're, you're also a drummer. Yeah, yeah, inspired, yeah. Yeah, just play drums and playing drums for a while now and stuff. Yeah. Um, Dad win everything else as well, guitar and all that kind of stuff. But wouldn't wouldn't claim it and all that good. Yeah, yeah. drums. Yeah. Is Who are you playing with thing. now? What? Um, so we've got yeah, reasonably new band called Commander Panda. Commander, I think yeah. I have seen that name so, around. Yeah. yeah, so we technically haven't actually fully launched yet. Um, but we kind of played a few gigs. We've just done a bunch of recording stuff and looking at putting on a show. Hopefully, end of July. Just actually got to organise it and do all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's uh, with a real good mate of mine, Matty, um, and he's actually a guy I've been playing music with for about shit. It's probably like eleven years now. Um, really good guitarist, awesome songwriter. Um, but we've always been playing in bigger bands together, um, and it just kind of got to a point where. You both probably know like, when you're playing bands, you know, you, you book some gigs and it's like, oh no, I've got to work. And it's like, oh shit. I mean, it's, it's hard to organise everyone. Yeah, yeah. We're always there. We're like, fuck it, sometimes we're just rehearsing. We're the only ones that would rock up. And we started jamming out. It's like, this fucking sounds wicked. And I'm like, as a drummer, there's so much space, you know? So yeah. um, we thought, well, let's just focus on doing a duo. So it's just him, guitars and vocals, me on drums, kind of nice and raw. And mm. yeah, it sounded really good. I'm actually really excited to, to be playing in that again. So. Yeah. It's funny how the less people you have, the easier it is to coordinate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's just like, sometimes it's like herding cats, man. Oh, like It's man. like, oh, no, I've got a wedding, I've got this, I've got that. Yeah, and you yeah. got you got to be reasonable, though, because yeah. you're the guy as well sometimes. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially the older you get to, it gets harder. Like, um, when I was younger, you just used to drink, piss and jam, and there was a gig, you'd rock up. But now it's like, you got so much shit on as you get older. Yeah, yeah. Don't know yeah you've got to be selective of your time. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah, that's it. So, so when you show up at rehearsal, do they ask, like, where's the whiskey? You bring the whiskey with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, I've always, we've been jamming at my, my house at the moment, so um, I've got a pretty big whiskey selection there as well. So, yeah, yeah generally always, um, yeah, Maddie's a bit of a, bit of a fiend on the old booze as well so no matter what time it is like you want a coffee you'd be sitting there nah. you want whiskey yeah he's like yeah, yeah. So, oh if I have to yeah, yeah. So, but it's yeah, 9 in so. the morning <laughs> now whiskey's quite good for the vocals though, I've heard kind of warms everything oh, yeah, up yeah. and gets yeah. it going so I, I like drinking hot toddies when I'm when I'm sick ah uh, yeah it's just an, another excuse to keep drinking but yeah, <laughs> yeah. with the honey and that and lemon <laughs> but like if you're not drinking like what do you like to drink personally when it comes to whiskey yeah um yeah well whiskey I think the best thing about whiskey I suppose not many people wow I always kind of compare it to so a lot of people drink beer, especially in Australia. Um, I think remember when you started drinking beers, you thought all well, beer tasted the same. A lot of people still think about whiskey just purely because you don't drink much whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing about whiskey though is all different types. So um, you look at you know classic what everyone knows about generally is kind of single malt scotches. You know you hear about that kind of stuff. Whereas kind of malt based whiskies. Um, generally can be like kind of fruity and that kind of thing um, there's a lot of really good grain based whiskies which are like a bourbon styles or different types of grains and that kind of thing so kind of depending on what you're, you're feeling as a whiskey for every occasion essentially as well so I like anything from real super kind of nice and light like the upshot here um, right through to big kind of peaty whiskey from like Isla in Scotland you know that kind of thing um, problem with whiskey though especially if you do grow up in more of a beer economy kind of tend to drink it like beer and you can't, <laughs> yeah, can't do I'm that kind of like, <laughs> I'm trying take to nurse it take it fucking delicious that's good I feel like well, that's what it's for it's for drinking yeah. so this isn't the kind of whiskey that you'd throw like Coca-Cola or lemonade mixer in it 
Yeah, well, I always say, like, we do, um, we do a lot of tours and whiskey workshops and that at, at the distillery. And a lot of people always ask those kind of classic questions, you know. And it's like, to be honest, I don't think you'll meet anyone that makes whiskey and really cares how you're drinking it as long as you're drinking it. Like, yeah. obviously, if you go and got a nice whiskey, you want to appreciate it how it is. Yeah. But if you love, like, a whiskey and Coke, you just get stuck into it. Like, as long as you're drinking whiskey, happy days kind yeah. of thing. But there's certain things you can do to help appreciate your whiskey or get more from it and that kind of thing. Just, you know, economically, you don't want to be going buying, you know, a $100 bottle of whiskey and then pouring Coke in it because it's a waste. Yeah, if you're going to yeah, drink yeah. bourbon and Coke, get real cheap bourbon and kind yeah, of yeah. do it, do it yeah. that way. But, now, yeah. is it true that, like, adding a couple of drops of water kind of brings out the flavour more? Or yeah. Or is that like a load of horseshit? Yeah, no, no. So there is a heap of horseshit in whiskey and heap of yeah. marketing and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but no, a couple of good things um, when you want to appreciate a whiskey. So when you drop water in, they call it opening it up or that yep. kind of thing. But mm. what you're actually doing, so all whiskey comes at um, a certain strength. So in the bottle, so the distillers will think that that whiskey represents it best at maybe 43% alcohol, 47%, um, that kind of thing. That's what they reckon's best, but everyone's got their own palate, so you might, might not agree. You might think it tastes better or something else. So what you can do, if you, you try the whiskey first, um, see what you can taste. That's obviously the way they think it represents the best. Um, but when you add water, all you're doing is you're decreasing that alcohol percent. So when you do that, you knock out that heat because it's high-proof alcohol, essentially. Yeah. When you decrease that alcohol, more of those subtle flavours that are present in whiskey, because all about subtlety. There's that nice warmth that you get, and then there's kind of you know different tones of kind of sweetness, caramel candy notes in a bourbon, mm-hmm. or you've got kind of smokiness from peated whiskies and that kind yeah. of thing. So the more you dilute it, the more kind of well, those flavours actually will come out and be present. Yeah. But the best thing that I like about whiskey is like I love drinking maybe because I make booze and that as well, but I love a good 63% kind of whiskey, a nice and high strength, lots of heat. So if you go too watery, you get lots of flavour, then you don't get that kind of nice yeah, the kick. kind of warmth yeah, in that. So, yeah. What, what yeah. is the alcohol volume of this upshot that we are? Yeah, so upshot is uh, 43% uh, alcohol. And the moonshine you got there is slightly lower at 40%. Yeah, um, and that... 43% upshot is actually our cask strength as well. So most whiskey when it's made, um, it gets distilled into the moonshine essentially, then put into a barrel at a certain alcohol percent. And generally that's at uh, about 63.5%. That's the kind of classic kind of ABV where the whiskey essentially kind of ages the best and doesn't get as much evaporation because what happens in that uh, barrel you get lost so the higher the ABV the more loss you're going to get so if you leave it in the cast for a while you're going to have less whiskey left in there Um, but we found as well that different ABVs in the cast actually affect the flavours differently as well so you can imagine at 63% you can fit um, more whiskey in one barrel whereas when you dilute it you've got to have more barrels so it's more expensive to do that yeah. but it's super super tasty at that 43% and that way when we take it out of the cask you don't then cut it down with water because most whiskies put in at 63 would then get cut down before they get bottled so water's added to them whereas that just comes straight out of the cask into the bottle and, and away it goes so, so, so you well, keep all those kind of good barrel characters in, in tap it's the uh, ageing length of, of Upshot? Yeah, so um, Upshot is uh, two years old. Um, cool. Two's in, in American Oak. Um, so making good whiskey is all about um, kind of matching your, your new make spirit, so the white spirit with a good wood policy and then kind of using your climate. So um, there's a lot of stuff about H statements out there. People are saying, oh, I only drink... We get some people coming every now and then they go, I only drink a single malt that's 12 years old. And you're like, oh, okay, have you tried this? And you're like, oh, shit, that's only two years old. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you got to think about your climate. So obviously us as a young distillery... Um, 
We've got a really nice, uh, delicate kind of moonshine-style spirit, um, aged in brand-new oaks. It's got a lot of flavour. And two, it's stinking hot in our warehouse in Perth. It's like 35 degrees and a big spread temperature at night time. So it actually ages really quick. Mm. So we get a real mature whiskey in that short amount of time, whereas you go over to Scotland, um, they age all their whiskies in what you call a dunnage warehouse. Um, it's like these kind of big earthen floors, real low roofs, about three barrels high. And it's literally about three degrees Celsius all year round flat, so it takes super long for those yeah. to age. So yeah. for those whiskies to mellow out, get that they need a longer age statement and that kind of thing. Yeah. So. so, like, do the barrels and stuff, that do they get reused, like, through different... Um, yeah, yeah. Each time. So can, say, one whiskey become a bit stronger than another whiskey because it's had stuff in it beforehand? Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, so what you generally do... So if you look at sort of bourbon-style whiskey, um, like the Upshot, you generally always want to age that in brand new oak, so just nothing's been that barrel because yeah. you want to get all those kind of candy vanilla from that oak, from the wood. But for more of a, a malt-based spirit, like a single malt-style whiskey, just because of that, it's what you call a mash bill, is the grains you make the whiskey out of. Um, it's kind of uh, more malty. You, you don't want sometimes that sweetness. So you use an ex-bourbon cast to, to age your whiskey in that. So yeah. depending on what you're looking for. so Because yeah. um, the wood does two things that adds flavour, but also the wood breathes, so um, constantly it's you know expanding, contracting with change of temperature, so spirits going in and out of the barrels, reacting in there, some's evaporating out through the walls, um, so it's what you call, it's mellowing in there, so sometimes you want it, you've already got a clean spirit, you don't want it to mellow, you just want a lovely big hit or kind of wood flavour, or sometimes you get a real rough, like a big moonshine or whatever, put that in a barrel, and you might need it to mellow for longer, and in that case, if you used too new of a wood it actually get too oaky before it mellowed out so yeah, it's the okay, balance yeah. there of kind of figuring out what you want but then realistically it all comes down to those things sit in the barrel and do what they want for a number of years so you never <laughs> never really know that's, that's the, the kind of magic and the beautiful thing about, about yeah, making yeah. making whiskey so because uh, yeah wood's essentially like a barrel's essentially porous so yeah. it, it air gets yeah. in and all that stuff right yeah, yeah. yeah see, that's why the yeah. oak um, most whiskeys all aged in oak and oak's a, just a magic type of wood because it's got a, a tight enough what you call a lignin structure so it actually seals because it's got to actually hold the booze in there yeah. but then it's porous as well so it kind of evaporates out and mellows and, and does yeah, all those right. things um, mm. so yeah. well the um, the last bottle of whiskey or bourbon that I bought was uh, it's Jim Beam's Devil's Cut. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, there's a lot of like marketing around the <laughs> fact that they they actually squeeze and e- extract it out of the wood and stuff like that. That's why it's so so much darker than a, a regular. Yeah, is that gun. one of those ones with a Milaclonus or whatever? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. They use their the <laughs> advertising campaign. But what, what, yeah. what is the process behind a Devil's Cut? Do you familiar with that? Um, well, look, I don't, I don't know, but there's, there's the common thing you probably heard of is called Angel Share. Um, I don't know if you heard of that. So yeah, what? Yeah. Angel share. So I talked about barrels, um, the spirit evaporating a little bit. So mm. every year you get a certain amount of loss because the spirit's changing and bits evaporate out through the, the porous wood, as we were saying. Um, and that's what you call your angel share, um, being that that's the, the angels that are stealing and yeah. taking because <laughs> angels obviously love whiskey. Um, <laughs> so I think the, the devil's cut was like, well, this is the stuff that goes down to the devil. It's kind of the badass whiskey and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. the stuff that actually stays in the wood that they then yeah, and they kind of kind of yeah. suck it out. So it's it's so the angels are taking the evaporated stuff and the devils are kind of getting what's stuck yeah. in the in the it's wood. Getting all Dan Brown in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently when they extract it out of the wood, it's like pretty much nearly black, and then they put yeah. more scotch on it. Like mm. I don't know, they they dilute it somehow, but yeah, okay. yeah, I don't know, but it. it 
it made me buy it just by looking at the, the, was the it, label. Was yeah. it tasty? It was. Uh, I don't know much about whiskey, but it was a little bit sweet. Uh, well, did you drink it? I suppose uh, I had the whole bottle. Well, that's, yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it was. It was sweet. There was like a yeah, almost yeah. like a honey taste and um, almost like a peppery yeah, okay. a black pepper sort of taste at the end so yeah, yeah. I don't know how accurate I am no nah, you generally get yeah. a little bit so especially because Jim Beam's that bourbon style I was talking about so um, you generally get a lot of that kind of vanilla or kind of honey toffee type flavour yeah. um, and oak the wood because they're charred on the inside so they're burnt that can actually give fair bit of pepperiness in that as well right um, okay. so you might have got that but another thing that does that most bourbons actually have a certain content of rye so you know rye grain mm. so it's mostly corn with a little bit of rye and malted barley or something rye generally gives you spicy kind of peppery characters as well whereas yeah. for the upshot what we've got there is corn mostly corn want to get all that kind of sweetness from the corn a little bit of wheat so wheat makes it softer kind of style bourbon yeah, yeah. so if we we've only got about 10% wheat in that upshot but if we swap that out for 10% rye that changes all that flavour profile to be spicy in that kind of thing, so yeah. Ooh. I'm I'm always just a cheap go for Jack Daniels. <laughs> I almost feel like it's almost too special for me to drink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, nothing too special for you, hey? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you, looks like you've earned it today. <laughs> but um, so there's a there's a weird thing about the Jack Daniels as well. Like it's not technically what they call a whiskey bourbon. Is it Jack? Uh, whiskey, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's both few rules of thumb. So um. Everything is whiskey. So bourbon, yeah, everything is whiskey. So bourbon is whiskey, single malt is whiskey, scotch is whiskey. But what defines them as a bourbon or a scotch or a single malt is kind of different. Yeah. Um, like Jack Daniels and stuff, those Tennessee whiskies, that's when they do that process where they'll filter that spirit down through that kind of um, charcoal wood and stuff to get more of that sweetness yeah, yeah. and, and flavour and stuff like that. So it's just a slightly different process, that Tennessee-style whiskey. Mm. So. Cool. Well, that, that answers my question before. How I was like, what's the difference between scotch and whiskey? Well, scotch is a whiskey, right? Yeah, 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 yeah they're, okay. they're all whiskey. So um, scotch, first of all, scotch, Scotland has to come from Scotland. Um, but single malt is purely made from malted barley. So same thing you make beers from, malted barley or malted barley, whereas bourbons are grain-based whiskey, so mostly corn, then you can add anything else, you like wheat, rye, spelt, oats. Um, you can kind of go nuts. And that's one thing um, I'm real kind of passionate about and keen on is playing around with grain bases. I think... Um, one of the things that happened with a lot of the series that have started up, um, not just in Australia but around the world, um, like Scotch, make, Scotland make great whiskey. So people go, well, fuck, let's just make a Scotch. But all they do is just get all the same gear and try and make exactly what the Scotsmen do here. But we've got different grains, different um, temperature, in, you know, different temperatures of our climate. Um, so it's kind of more important to what we like to do is focus on the local grains using our climate to create the kind of unique style whiskies. Yeah, but obviously yeah. it's got to represent as a whiskey. Um, you find some people, you know, you get tempted to go down this kind of unique way because it's so unique. It's like, yeah, we don't really taste like whiskey anymore. <laughs> so, so it's got to be like a nice balanced whiskey. But if we can get these beautiful points of difference just purely from what we've got here locally, then it's so awesome. That'll be the, the win if we could have something eventually that someone around the world goes, oh, that's an Australian whiskey. Well, that's from Perth because you get that oakiness from yeah, the, the yeah. climate and that kind exactly, of thing. Because yeah. um, um, a couple of years ago, Japan won like the best whiskey yeah. in the world or something like that. Yep, yeah. Over like... I suppose what Irish whiskey like but the people that are known for making whiskey mm. and then the Japanese beat them mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's it um, there's actually an Australian distillery um, called Sullivan's Cove that won world's best whiskey a number of years ago as, yeah, as yeah. well so um, it's funny the Scotsmen get a bit funny about that because they did they did a lot for the whiskey industry obviously making it premium and that kind of thing but 
you know, as they were saying, I suppose he's like, you know, don't get bitter, get better. Like if you got people around the world doing better <laughs> things than you, don't just look about it. You yeah, know, yeah, lift yeah. your game a little bit. But yeah. everyone making whiskey does owe a lot to the Scots traditions and that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, and actually, probably more so the, the Japanese. I what the Japanese make is essentially a single malt Scotch style whiskey that's made in Japan, and it's generally a kind of. For me, Japanese whiskey is similar to um, a region in Scotland called Speyside. Kind of make those nice single malt whiskeys, kind of a bit fruity and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember talking to some of the. Um, if you ever go to Scotland, even if you don't like whiskey, definitely go to distilleries and talk to some of the old cats out of there because there's distilleries everywhere. And they've got all these stories. But this guy remembers like pre seventies where Japan was looking at making whiskey, and they'll just come over in droves, right, do tours, and he said he'd find them behind the mash tons and the steels, taking photos, writing notes. So they, they literally did go over there and do a, a bucket load of research. Spice. So yeah. yeah, do all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah. That's cool. I'm just like, I'm wondering about the whole experimentation process. Like, yep. if you, how does it, how do you, how do they determine like, okay, that is what we're going to pump out. That, that recipe is what we're going to go for. Like what, is there an experiment? Mentation process where they kind of make a barrel and then test it out and go, nah, that doesn't work. Let's try again. Yeah. Like, th- at what point are you like, okay, that is exactly what we want? Ten yeah. whiskeys in, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> it all tastes good. <laughs> uh, that's it. I think um, that's the hardest thing for a, a new distillery or a young distillery yeah. because obviously good whiskey is always going to take some time. Um, by law in Australia, too, just you know, so to call something a whiskey, it has to be barrel aged for minimum two years. Um, if you barrel, so that's what we call things. But we got to, we do a barrel aged moonshine as well, which is a beautiful drink. But we don't age it for two years because we didn't want all that oakiness and that kind of thing. And it's kind of a good intermediate product um, for us. So we just call it a barrel aged moonshine. But it's essentially whiskey in all respects that it doesn't age kind of long enough. Um, and with the experimentation, I suppose, yeah, the other thing is you never really know what's going to happen in that barrel. You do. Like, it all comes from experience. So Scotch Series, they've been operating exactly the same way they have been for you know, over 100 years. Um, there's some gear they've got there, like some of their mills and mash tons and stuff like that that are literally 100 years old, still big cast iron vessels. Um, and they just stick with doing that and they've got all that history and they can, they've can they got a, you know, barrel source which is huge whereas for young series like us um, you're kind of experimenting and it's really hard to gauge you obviously don't want to wait for something to, to two years and they go holy shit it all tastes like us like what are we going to do <laughs> it's a lot of money yeah, yeah. Um, but what we started to do actually is um, so the biggest thing is well, how you make a whiskey to start with is you've got to make a beer first. So any alcohol, you've got to get a sugar source. You get yeast to ferment it. Yeast eats sugar, and they actually make all the alcohol for us. But it's not just about alcohol. It's about those flavors you want to bring through. Yeah, That's yeah. why choosing grains and your, your mash bills is important to get those kind of differences. So you, you make a big porridge, essentially. You add yeast to it. They ferment it into a beer. And then once you've got your beer, or what we call a wash, um, you put that in the still, and you boil it up. And from the different boiling points in, in the different products, you kind of separate out the flavors and the alcohol that you want, and you leave all the other stuff behind and that's what you get your moonshine your white spirit and then from that you put it into a barrel so first thing you got to figure out is especially if you work with unique grains so one that we had a crack at recently was uh, a quinoa whiskey uh, if you guys eat much quinoa, quinoa. Wow, yeah yeah um, so we started looking at it and I was hella excited for it and people rolling and going oh hipsters trying to make you hipsters I was like what because like, the reason we got it was because there's some farmers in Narragin they've got a company called Three Farmers they've been trying to grow quinoa in Australia Western Australia for about 7-8 years because yeah. originally South America crop um, and they'd want to try something a bit different diversify and that kind of thing um, they tried for seven years had a heap of failures and eventually got a bumper crop 
and we were talking to them about it and they're like oh would you reckon you could have a like, definitely keen to have a play making a whiskey out of it because the quinoa grain itself got this really nutty earthy flavour so what I was saying with the corn and the upshot you want to bring those sweet characteristics through whereas the quinoa the challenge was to bring those kind of nutty earthy flavours through there's also a little horrible shit in there as well so yeah. it's kind of a balance <laughs> yeah. but the first thing you got to figure out is actually how to get it to match so how do you get those fermental sugars out of the grain so yeast can eat them so if you figure that out first awesome means you can actually get yield out of the grain and you can make the white spirit and then if you taste the white spirit and you go shit that tastes pretty good but that's kind of where from your knowledge you realize or just from your experience because the white spirit you've got to figure out how that's going to change in the barrel so it's not necessarily the most tasty white spirit's going to make the best whiskey so then you've got to have a bit of guesswork there as well yeah but one thing you can do is what we did was we use these little tiny mini five liter barrels so most whiskey age is big 200 liter oak casks mm. with the smaller casks you've got a bigger service area of wood to a smaller volume of liquid so it essentially ages a lot quicker it's not great it's not ideal but it gives you good indication so if you've got a white spirit you're happy with you put it in the mini cask and it comes out tasting pretty good mm. pretty sure if you scale that up into a big cask it's going to taste even better so that's what yeah. we did with the Quinoa, yeah, maybe about 100 bottles. Um, they sold out in about a week, so we started putting bigger batches down at the moment. So, yeah, see how we go with that. You can imagine yeah. those hips. Is um, I only drink organic <laughs> quinoa whiskey. That's the good thing about whiskey, actually. Technically, it's all it's all gluten free. If you use organic grain, it's organic and that yeah. kind of Because even yeah. though you start off with grains, you distill it and you boil it. So, all that's left yeah. in there is just kind of booze. And so, I see what you mean. Like, you, you can kind of ballpark it, like, project what it's yeah. maybe going to turn out like, but still, it's a pretty much like a bit of a guessing game, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's what I was saying before. That's the, that's the beautiful thing about it is you never really know what's yep. going to happen. And even though, like, for the upshot, we use exactly the same casks, but all casks just behave a little bit differently each time. So mm. they're never exactly the same. But obviously, us being a craft facility as well, we're not you know, pumping out that standard Jack Daniels every day. It's yeah. um, You kind of want to embrace those little differences. You know, you notice the subtle difference between um, what we've got in front of us is cast 13, slightly different from cast 12 and that kind of thing. So it's, yeah. it's cool. It's good to see how it changes. And that's the interesting thing, you know. So I was yeah, yeah. kind of picturing like a Breaking Bad kind of setup, <laughs> sort of factory and everything, you know, trying different things. And yeah. yeah, it's like a big science experiment, really. Yeah, yeah. see, I think, well, from my background too, because I, I love all that stuff. Like, um, obviously, did, I said engineer in that as well previously, so I kind of love getting right down into the kind of science of it. But realistically, it's about making beautiful products. But um, mm. yeah, two two different schools of thought. Some people say, ah, oh, you don't need science, you don't need this. But I was like, well. The more shit you know, the more tools you've got. Like, exactly. if you know how things react and play, then you've got more things you can manipulate to get those kind of mm. better flavours. But it's when people get stuck into it. It's more when kind of bean counters get involved and it's like, how do we make more whiskey from these grains? And you're looking at how to make more booze for your buck as opposed to how you're getting the best flavours. If you're always yeah. focusing on better flavours, yeah. it's, it's happy yeah. days. But yeah, yeah. But then it gets uh, all uh, businessy. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But I can imagine it, it's, it's almost, it almost is like anything else that's creative where yeah. sometimes the, the mistakes become something really unique about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. Um, that's one of the best things as well. You know, you might do something slightly differently and you have a taste and you go, oh, shit. Yeah. Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that. Like so. quinoa, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. So. <laughs> I might actually try a bit of this. Um, the moonshine? The moonshine. Yeah, yeah. give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what should I expect? Ah, well, I'll let your palate do the, do the talking there. <laughs> um, so, as I was saying before, so everything that we make is just purely grains, water, and yeast, and then it's distilled. So, all the flavours you get in there 
um, is just from the grains. So mm. it distilled it to quite a high proof, so it was nice and clean. So the, the, the trick there was to make the moonshine so it worked really well in a cocktail. So you didn't want to have too much of a, a grainy style spirit because then it's going to overpower everything. But you wanted a nice little subtle thing. But you've got to have enough of that grain flour so then it then does make a good whiskey as well. So the whole idea with the moonshine was to distill it high enough that it's nice and clean but still retain those kind of you know sweet flavours from the corn. So that's mostly what you probably would pick up, I a little bit of that, that sweetness from the corn. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely more like veggie-like almost. Like, yeah, okay. Um, I'm not sure if that was accurate, but it's completely different to the upshot. Yeah, yeah. So it's good now you see, so that's that's the spirit, and then you see what the wood does to it. You know? Yeah, Because so, yep. yep, they're totally exactly right. the same. The only difference is that guy's, the upshot sat in a barrel for two years, and oh, yeah. the moonshine, mm. moonshine hasn't. That's nice. Mm. That's amazing. Better than Grandpa's backyard. <laughs> old I'm, just, I'm, I'm picturing like the, the old western, you know, the dude in his underpants and singlet. <laughs> moonshine out the back. <laughs> what was that old myth that um, certain moonshines like make make people go blind? Was that like? Oh, is that true? Is that because they were cutting corners with the ingredients? Or um, yeah, so. Another, I suppose, important thing when you make whiskey, it's called uh, taking your cuts. So when you, so you put the beer in a still, you essentially boil it up, and it separates out through a bunch of columns, or depending on what you're you're making, and then it actually comes out at the end through a condenser. So the spirit actually comes out, and you collect certain portions of it. The first part that always comes through on a spirit run is what you call heads. So all spirit comes in three parts: heads, hearts, and tails. Now heads is all that nasty shit. That's the stuff that if you watch the moonshiners, mate, you go blind and that yeah. kind of thing. Because what that is, when you do the fermentation, the yeast eat the sugar. They don't just make alcohol with ethanol they make all these other stuff as well some of it's good some of it's not yeah. um, whereas us our heads aren't that bad at all they're just unpalatable so we get a little bit of acetone which is kind of like that nail polish movie type smell Ooh, so you yeah. just purely don't want that in your whiskey yeah. if you drink it you, you're probably not going to die but it's just not tasty yeah. whereas if you're doing really really rough ferments or depending on what you're using for your base you can create all sorts of horrendous stuff in there and then if people take cuts right it means at the front end yeah. they're collecting all this nasty stuff um, and then yeah, yeah. kind so of cause a bit of mischief was it a literal thing like you literally go blind or do they mean you, you get blind drunk from ah, well I think like, but literally or figuratively <laughs> <laughs> no for real like you know how they like yeah oh he's lost his side he's drinking too much moonshine like, yeah you know. I, don't, I don't think you, you, you temporary blindness maybe I don't think you actually get like you know, actual blindness act, actual, yeah. actual blindness yeah. and that kind of thing but yeah, pop it open. Oh, wasn't wasn't a good man. That sounded like silence. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful though. I'm gonna have a bit more as well. Yeah, I might go a bit more whiskey. <laughs> Always a good time to have more whiskey. <laughs> I, I I dig the glasses as well that you've brought along. Ah, with cool. Stuff, with like proper whiskey glass. Because yeah, I'm actually yeah. a fan of actually finding a decent whiskey glass. Yep. And when I was living in Melbourne, I spent such a long time trying to find a decent whiskey glass. The only one I could come up with was um, the two dollar one from uh, IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a good whiskey glass. Um, it's one of those because I always actually love like a big tumbler, like a big heavy mm. tumbler. Actually, drink your whiskey out of. But um, actually, it's one of those things. I always thought was a bit of wank, you know, like your, your shape of your whiskey glass kind of affects your flavors and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's actually true. Like you notice these glass you got in front of you, kind of funneled towards the top. So because what you, you do, you, you treat your whiskey very similar to a wine. So you can kind of, um, you know, you look at it, you can get an indication from the color what it may taste like. Um, and if you want to have a nose, you have a smell. But with whiskey, you want to start a bit low because if you chuck your nose right in that, all you're going to get is that kind of alcohol. But that's mm. where that kind of helps because those delicate flavours are coming up through the top and they're kind of getting channeled through that top of the glass. Yeah. But if you've got a big open tumbler, you kind of miss out on yeah, all that, exactly. that goodness yeah. that's coming through. So. Yeah, it, it, it bottlenecks the, the yeah, smell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it yeah. kind, of, kind of 
Yes, that's right. Are you familiar with <coughs> familiar with the Norlin whiskey glass? It was actually no, a, so. a crowdfunded oh, whiskey okay. glass. Yep, yep. And it was you know specifically designed, you know, something to, with those the way the flavors and sort of got these inbuilt grooves yep. in the glass as the, the whiskey goes around it when you give it a bit of a stir. Been to bring all the, the flavors out. Yeah, okay. Well, I've seen similar things to that as well. But yeah, there's um, that's the thing. Guys, there's always a bit of science that starts this off, and then a bit of marketing bollocks gets involved as well. So that's when you got to <laughs> kind of figure out what's the what's the good stuff. The only way you're going to know about that is by drinking a bunch of whiskey in a bunch of different glasses and yeah. figure out what actually works, which isn't a bad thing. So. <laughs> Now, in terms of like, not, not to get all businessy, but like yeah, yeah. The, the price point, like what mm-hmm. determines the actual price point of whiskey? Is it just the age and, and think, or the ingredients maybe? Yeah, well, look, it's, it's, it's real tough, um, especially for Australian um, whiskies and distilleries. Um, we pay like a horrendous amount of excise tax, which yeah. is a tax you pay on alcohol, um, and it's not comparable to, to breweries and wineries and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, for an example, for that bottle of Moonshine and Upshot, you're paying, I think it's up to about 26 dollars of tax just through the bottle wow. um, and we try and sell the moonshine for 59 dollars so you're already paying more than half to straight to the government then you've got to try and get your overheads and all that shit in there as well yeah um, but yeah i suppose with other whiskies from around the world especially some of the bigger distilleries um, they can do things like just have unique whiskies and have them at a higher price point because the demand that's like classic economics i suppose mm-hmm. there's a demand for something you can yep. put the price up but um for us and me personally as well really really wanted to try and keep these whiskies um, under the hundred dollar mark um the whole idea especially like um from jimmy who's one of the owners of the business and the other distiller as well uh, you know, always talk about it's got to be accessible you know it's about having top shelf whiskies at normal price points because myself as a bloke love drinking whiskey but if this whiskey is going to be sitting at 200 bucks, I'm not going to be able to drink it. So what's the point then in yeah. making whiskey if no one's going to drink it? But then you've got all the challenges obviously being able to try and make enough to make it profitable and that, that kind of thing. So um, as us as a business, we're still really much finding our feet um, yet to really make a profit and that kind of thing. But getting there, it's a long game for whiskey and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Do you, uh, do you put it like, do you, do you select what, what um, bottle shops and bars actually serve that or... Yeah, get it on the shelf. Or? A bit of both, I suppose. Um, obviously, being a, a local distillery, um, we love getting out there and kind of chatting to the guys and that kind of thing. And, and the support we've had um, from the local bars and stuff has been been awesome. I suppose, especially for us as a small business, we don't have you know brand ambassadors and stuff like bigger companies and that do. Yeah. You know, it's kind of relying on people coming down to our distillery, having a good time, and then spreading the, the good word mm, and that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so yeah, but I think the biggest thing for us was was volume. So when we started making whiskey we're only producing probably about one cask a month which is very very small um but now we're making about shit probably five six casks a month so we're you know about five times as much but we don't get to sell that for another two years now so what we got to sell right now is what we produced two years ago yeah so we only had a certain amount so definitely first thing was always stocking um the guys that supported us so um a couple of small bars in in perth good whiskey bars like varnish and helvetica and that kind of thing um and then um Obviously, independent bottle shops as well. Um, Main Liquor's a real good one down on Grayson Highway there, so those kind of guys and that kind of thing. But now we're moving into bigger volumes, yeah. But love to get out there. Anyone that kind of wants to stock it, we can yeah. kind of do that. But the thing with the small volumes was you've only got a small amount. So if you stocked everyone, then they want to re- reorder. you got nothing. Yeah. You kind of yeah, get that yeah, chance yeah. once as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. 2019, you know I mean? so, we'll be ready for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's it. So. Yeah. I remember going to a, um, a whiskey bar in Sydney, and it's we're, we're trying to work out which one if we went to the same one, but we're sure like there's. Can't remember. Bars. It was like a saloon bar. Like a saloon yeah, bar. You, you get nuts. You go downstairs and it's pitch black and yeah. Yeah, but yeah, what got yeah. me like so they have all like a long like a big huge board 
like a board of all their whiskies with their prices by it. Yeah. And I didn't realise that that was per glass. And I went there with a couple of mates. And I thought, oh, no, like, I started off with just a you know, cheap, like, I think I got like a $50 thing. And next thing I know, that's 50 per glass. But the price was going up to almost like $1,000 for a yeah, glass of whiskey. Jesus. Like, big, like, I don't know where this whiskey, you know, they dug it up from the 1800s or something. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was on the ship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing too. I think it, it, those high price points for me always just come down to um, obviously the mystery and the rarity. Really, like mm. I don't think. Well, look, I probably haven't drunk that many thousand dollar glasses of whiskey, so I probably can't really judge that. But I've tried a lot of whiskey, especially all over the world as well. I've been in Scotland, Japan, US, and that kind of thing. Um, and you always find whiskey's got a curve, in, in, especially when you talk about age statements. So whiskey gets a certain age and it tastes the best, and then it starts to taste worse. So mm. just because things are really old doesn't mean they're going to taste good. But because they're really old, they're super rare. And because they're super rare, no one gets to taste them, so people are willing to pay that more. It's kind of like that kind of kind of thing, I suppose. But um, yeah. dig, up, dig up that bottle of whiskey off Blackbeard's um, sunken ship. Pirate ship. And you yeah. pick it up and then you drop it. <laughs> it flips out. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I've often just, yeah, wondered about how they determine the price point. And, yeah. And that's really interesting. I feel yeah. more appreciative of these two bottles now that, that I know yeah. how long it takes to, to yeah, make exactly, whiskey. Yeah. So thank you so much. <laughs> no, especially anything that's local as well for you, you know, craft breweries, um, obviously local distilleries, anyone that's doing that game here in Australia, they're doing it for the love and the passion. There's definitely not big bucks to be made mm. um, and that kind of thing. But it's more of the kind of bigger imported stuff that you're getting that those kind of ridiculous price points. And that's always the hardest thing is you've got the, the bigger guys kind of ruin it a bit, making it tougher for the, the smaller guys yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. But um, anything that's local, um, obviously, yeah, definitely worth the crack and it's definitely worth that price. There's no one really having high price points because they want to. It's because they either need to to yeah. make the business work mm. or, you know, mm. that kind of thing. So That's crazy about our tax here, just how high it is for alcohol. Oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I think where does that all go? Like, where does that tax go to? Is is it like a health thing they're trying to deter people from? Yeah, well, I think buying that's, alcohol. Or? That's one of the hardest things now, is because there was a lot of liquor reform back in the day, especially for the the wine industry early on, because it's a great industry, employs a lot of people, does wonders. Obviously, the wine industry in Australia has done amazing things. Um, so early on, they gave kind of um, what they call the wet tax and a few rebates, which helped kind of people start a series. But then, kind of what that cause was a bunch of kind of lawyers and doctors and people with a bit extra cash looking for a tax write-off going let's just fucking start a small winery and then <laughs> you're kind of flooding the market with this cheaper stuff and they're getting their winery and that kind of thing um, and nowadays you've got a few things like the craft brewings has gone gangbusters especially in Western Australia but all over Australia going really well and they've got a few rebates as well but then again it's harder for them because the more we get into it there is that concern with the health risks of kind of alcohol and not promoting consumption but anyone that's working in kind of the craft booze industry is you're promoting quality not quantity at all whereas mm. we've still got some laws where you can go buy like you know you still get your classic goon bags there like four dollars you know for, yeah it's literally like what twelve dollars for four litres of wine now yeah. it's been a while yeah. pretend yeah. it's been a while passion now, <laughs> yeah passion box. but it's real, real cheap but then you know they've got real low tax bracket whereas um, craft whiskey which no one's going to sit and you know drink heaps of you still got the massive high tax bracket but that all comes down to historically where rum was evil back in the day, like yeah. all, all the convicts and that, and they literally tried to tax spirits and get people to drink more beer so they were more productive the next day. Because yeah. everyone back in the day, pretty rough here trying to colonise Australia, I suppose. You know? yeah. You're going to kind of get a bit merry on something. Yeah. And if you had a few more beers and you had whiskey, you'd generally be a bit more productive the next yeah, day. Yeah, you've got to so. ease the pain somehow. Yeah. 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 
the Mission Control Podcast, brought to you by Hip Flask, the socially networked gig guide made locally, available on the App Store or Google Play, free of charge. Go to hipflaskapp.com. Okay, so what I was thinking, like a, a decent bottle of whiskey like this, I feel is something that wouldn't get abused in the drinking sense. Yeah. You, know, you find, say, even the cheap whiskey or just the cheap beers and stuff, people seem to just go on the piss big time and just lose their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, this feels like a more sophisticated drink. Like, is, is that sort of something that you feel when you yeah. produce this sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Like, we obviously do a lot of work, and let's like talk about before, it's a lot of time to make good whiskey. We put a lot of effort into it, so mm-hmm. you'd, um, you'd hope that people appreciate it and enjoying it um, and that kind of thing, so... But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, my, my my dad used to drink a lot of um, Shivas. Oh yeah, or Shivas Regal. Regal, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And how how much do those go for? They're something like seventy, eighty a bottle or something yeah, like that. I think they're around seventy, eighty now. Mm. I, I used to sneak into the ca- cabinet and like as a teenager and just pour a little bit and a little <laughs> bit and a little bit. But it's actually quite deceptive because you think it's a lot of. A lot of like liquid in that bottle, but then you pour a couple of shots and you can definitely yeah. see it going down. So he's like, "Have you been drinking my fucking whiskey?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sorry." <laughs> but um, I think that's like what twelve year, yeah, whiskey think, or something. Yeah, the Shivers is a um, Shivers is a blend, I think, as well. But yeah, I think it's they've got different age statements and those are different kinds. Yeah, of yeah, I think yeah. it's generally around that twelve years. They're kind of kind of standard one or whatever yeah um, yeah so just, like it might just be me getting old where i just can't handle as many drinks nowadays so being able to sit back with a nice whiskey is so much better than just throwing beers back all the time yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I think just less volume of liquid in your stomach as well you i think know? that's something you learn to and i find like talking to some of the young kids and that these days like i remember i don't know i think that's just where you're growing up in the country and that kind of thing but it's all about just trying to get as much booze in you as you could and trying <laughs> yeah. to get these bays. And it's always, especially I suppose when you're a bit younger as well, yeah. Well, I suppose you weren't meant to be drinking yet, but you'd have to try and tip enough in before you went somewhere because you weren't allowed drinking there because you were younger and that mm, kind yeah. of thing. But there's always that kind of thing. And this is kind of what you did, I suppose. Whereas, you know, a lot of guys now have a couple of nephews and that, and you, they seem to be really focused on their kind of sports and that. They're definitely obviously going to have a good time when they get older, but there is that probably a better culture these days of like, mate. To be honest, you've got to be drinking booze, so it's my opinion anyway. But it's about moderation and enjoying yeah, exactly, it. Yeah. Um, one thing I suppose personally I've struggled with is I'd rather drink every day in moderation and not have blowouts on the weekend. But sometimes you get a bit excited and you just can't <laughs> help yourself, you know what I mean? But yeah, that, yeah. that's the key. It's better quality, um, smaller volumes. Um, mm, yeah, that, that's yeah. the way. And that's that's what anyone that's making good booze is is about. You know, I mean, no one's... if it's only the, the the bigger guys that are pushing out volume. They need those bigger sales, whereas other smaller companies are you're looking at getting the quality across and kind of sitting on it and that yeah. kind of thing. So, I, th- I think tolerance to alcohol is like pretty overrated. You know, those people that are like, I can drink ten beers and I don't feel shit, and I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> like, how much fucking money are you spending? At yeah, time? yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'd rather <laughs> be pissed off for three pints. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I can be honest, obviously working in, in booze, you've got to generally drink a bit of booze where you've got to taste and that kind of thing. And you've got a tolerance by default. Yeah. You're necessarily wanting that high of a tolerance. Then if I go to the pub there... Have to spend up twice as much money to get as merry as everyone else. Yeah, exactly. It's not fair. Yeah. I think um, I'm trying to remember back to my first real drink. I mean, when I was younger, my granddad used to pour me a bit of port. You know, he'd drink the port. You know, oh, nice. Port. Yeah, yeah. But I think my real actual drink was when, this was our Alpen Mount Magnet. And we used to uh, throw some money to, I think, one of my mate's older brothers that was over 18. So he'd go in and buy us a bottle of, um, 
I think it was tequila was actually my first real drink. We'd sneak yeah, down okay. into the, the creek and just crack a bottle of tequila and pass it around. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> walk up yeah. and down the walk, walk down the street at like midnight with a bottle of tequila. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like vodka's made from potatoes, right? Ah, uh, so yeah, that's a good kind of common myth, I suppose. Is that a myth? Vodka can be made from potatoes. So vodka can be made from anything. It's also made for you. You need a sugar sauce to make alcohol. Mm-hmm. So you can make vodka from anything. The trick with vodka generally, though, is with vodka, you're just distilling it so many times that it's real high proof that it's real clean. It's just literally ethanol and water. So ethanol is the good alcohol, makes us all happy, um, that kind of thing. But with whiskey, um, you want the ethanol, but then you're getting the flavours as well. Yep. So you can make – so um, what's an example? So we could make vodka out of our same mash bill here. We just got to distill it a few more times so that there's no flavour left. Um, yeah, you get okay. craft vodkas now that actually have flavour in them and that kind mm. of thing because mm. they're using that grain base. But I suppose that technical thing of vodka was meant to be that. So you take a real rough sauce, so something like potatoes, ain't going to give you that too tasty a flavour. So you distill it to get that high proof alcohol and then it's kind of not yeah. much going on there. So. Yeah, because they got like Smirnoff, like cherry and lime and yeah, all that yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, all yeah. That. yeah. But yeah, so, so whiskey is all made from grains, so to make whiskey you've got to use um, rums, etc. are made from uh, sugar sources like molasses or sugar cane, that kind of thing. Um, and then vodka can be made from anything. Um, yeah, brandies are distilled wines. So. Right, okay, so, so you start with the sugar source and yeah. that creates... The alcohol, yeah, yeah. So you, so you can you, like so you can put rice, add rice, like sake yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly right. So yeah. all because all grains or fruits they've got what you call starches. Starches right, okay. are essentially sugars all hooked up into a big long chain. Now the yeast, so yeast is that thing. Obviously, make bread from it that eats the sugar sauce, but it can only eat a simple sugar sauce. It can't eat a whole big starch itself. So you've got to get that starch dissolved first and then broken down. So that's why you you boil things up, you mash them, and that kind of thing. So once that starch is broken down into sugars, then the yeast can get at it. So no matter how you go about that, it's about making something happy for your yeast to get into and start chewing on. Pops out a bunch of alcohol, and then you can do what you want with it. So, so yeah. Did, yeah. does this whiskey have a sugar content in it? Um, well, no, because all there may be a little bit of residual sugar um, from what's well, no, not really. You get what you call like wood sugars, which is more kind mm. of flavours, isn't it? But all the sugar that we so we don't actually add any sugar. It's the sugar that's coming out of the dissolved grains. So the starch in the grains getting dissolved, and then it's broken down to the the natural sugars that are yeah, in natural, the grains. Because yeah, yeah. those sugars are actually the energy for that grain. Because the grains are seed of a plant. So in the wild, those grains, the energy, turn to grow into that thing into a big stalk. Whereas we trick those little grains into dissolving up and then we get yeast out and we make booze from them. So um, those sugar sources kind of turn into the alcohol. Um, but yeah, so depending on what you're using, though, you get different flavours from. So that's why you choose certain mm. grains to get different different things and, and that kind of stuff. I feel so much healthier drinking this now. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. So the sugar essentially has all been eaten up by the yeast turned into alcohol. Yeah. And then we distill that beer and then separate the alcohol and the flavours we want to age it into whiskey, so mm. yeah. Well, you surely seen those little memes that go around. It's like one glass of whiskey is less calories than a banana or some yeah. shit like that. It's, <laughs> it's actually true, yeah. <laughs> but, but the nutrition's probably not there. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> less radiation. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, unfortunately, like alcohol itself is calories. Right. Yeah. So, like, you, you don't need the sugars there. You can still actually get pretty fat just from the alcohol, right? Well, no, not not really. Because, no. well, technically, the alcohol is essentially a bit of a toxin to your body, so it's got to be broken down. So you're mm. going to use energy to break that guy down. But when you drink things like beers, 
they still have sugar in them. They still have calories and that kind of thing. Carbs so wines and, and yeah, yeah, they've got residual yeah. sugar. And that's what part of the flavour is. Yeah. Whereas mostly whiskey, that that's actually pure alcohol. Um, and in the barrel aging, so there's less sugar and stuff going on in there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I remember it, it took me ages to work out what my favourite kind of beer was. Because I, like, I don't know, I, years ago I didn't really, I was just drinking beers. You know, give me a beer and I just started drinking it. Till I actually decided, oh, what, what am I drinking? Oh, what is my favorite preferred beer? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a lager. Yeah. yeah. And, but so a lager and a pale ale have two totally different yeah, things yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a, like an IPA is completely different to a, mm. la- yeah, a lager. Yeah, yeah, be- yeah. Beer is real interesting. It's like, it's, a lot of like what we do is, as distillers, we make a beer first, but it's a rough beer, and it's it's an easier beer to make than a brewer. You got to be a lot more kind of technical and savvy in that brewing process. Then we kind of make that beer depending on what we want to. Do. Then we kind of get all the smarts in on the steel and the barrel mm-hmm. aging. Um, so things like lagers. One thing that's really interesting is people don't know about is yeast. So what you use to ferment the beer actually create a lot of flavour. So the thing with a lager, you generally want a lager to be crisp and clean and not much flavour going on at all so lagers there's two types of yeast there's a bottom fermenting and the top fermenting yeast lager yeast are bottom fermenting generally ferment really really cold and don't promote much flavour at all so it gives you a crisp flavour whereas ales are kind of that's when you're looking at getting a lot of those flavours in and that kind of thing most of the the parallels you add hops to a beer as well give you a lot of those flavours but if you look at something like a, you drink like wheat beers or German style beers a lot of those flavours yeah, you get like yeah. banana flavours they actually come from the yeast so it's actually what the yeast making is a bright product and, and that mm. kind of thing so there's all these cool little things that you play around and that, that kind of give you give you flavours and yeah. that, that kind of thing but that's the classic lager especially in Australia that's that's what we all grew up on that was the beer because it's, yeah. it's mm. hot as shit here and especially back in the day when everyone was full blue collar spec you know what I mean like yeah. you're out and you want something nice and crispy and kind of smash <laughs> well, down it's, so. it's, it's weird because like my sister she can drink a lager and she'll be fine but if she drinks like a wheat beer like a Cooper's yeah, okay. she immediately gets the runs <laughs> so it's like there's like a way more like wheat content and yeah, yeah, it's a lot heavier it. she finds yeah and that's what they meant to be you kind of part of stuff meant to have a bit more more body and stuff mm. going on in there as well and then you get di- uh, like Guinness like the, the dark yeah your stouts and your porters stouts, and all, yeah, that, yeah. all that kind yeah. of stuff so. that, that always amazes me with Guinness is the bubbles do actually go down in the Guinness <laughs> yeah. mm. Like I I I I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get how the bubbles go down in a Guinness, but they yeah. do, don't they? It just defies yeah. gravity somehow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all they, like the cans. They come with that all in yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. in um in things like Kilkenny and those Guinness cans, they've got what's called a widget, and actually got a bit of nitrogen in there. So most of the gas in your beers is carbon dioxide. So, so yeast actually, when yeast eat sugar, they create alcohol but also borrows carbon dioxide as well so they can give you gas secondary fermentation can give you that gas but nitrogen is those fine bulbs gives you that creaminess and, and that kind of thing which mm. I don't know a heap on but a few brewer mates probably better get real sciencey on that shit but um, <laughs> that's what that is that gives you that kind of creamy there's even um, you see like nitro coffee these days you know cold brew yeah 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 you get that and it's got nitrogen and gas in there and you pour it and it pours this kind of creamy cold brew coffee and it's just like a Guinness but it's coffee Yep. So, I've seen those yeah. in, bot- in, in actual glass yeah, bottles. Yeah, yeah. So it's a similar thing. It's actually nice. Different gas gives you that kind of yeah, thing. So. Yeah. I, I just remember um, I've got my mum's sister's married to a British guy. Yeah, okay. And when, when he comes over, like, from his travels, like, we, we have him over at our house and he'll have a Guinness, like, every day. For, Loves it. For, 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 <laughs> literally, like, before midday, he'll, he'll be having the Guinness <laughs> just to, like, kick off the day. Um, but he won't eat He won't eat with it. He'll just have the Guinness, and that'll yeah, okay. power him through till dinner time. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's cool how it like fills you up. It's like eating, yeah, well, eating a well, sandwich. Really. Really there's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going there. There's, there's mm. calories, there's a bit of good nutrients and that. It's actually, yeah, yeah there's been those bigger, heavier beers because they're, you, they're mashed up grains, malted barley. So all that goodness is still in there. You just got mm. a bit of that booze in there as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably not in your food pyramid and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably live off it there. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the apocalypse because at, <laughs> now, the no, no, is, sorry, because at home we've got this bottle of gin that's wrapped in like this leather leather sheath, mm-hmm. and it's like I can't remember where it came from, but for some reason I'm thinking Genghis Khan. Where, where's Genghis Khan from? Mongolia. Mongolia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, a Mongolian gin of some kind. It's yeah, wrapped right. in this leather sheath and it's like never going to be opened in case the terms in case of an apocalypse. <laughs> so I'm oh, cuz I would really love to taste that gin. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why can you only open it in an apocalypse? Well, cuz no one's allowed to open it cuz it's so what, rare. What happens if you did, but? Yeah. yeah. Well, well yeah. bring the apocalypse. The Maybe that's what's working. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just keep that thing closed yeah. and just, just how I'm ironic. I'm also <laughs> sitting on um, a bottle of the 50th anniversary Rolling Stones vodka that comes in the crystal skull. Oh shit. So shit. that sits on my shelf just for one of those days. Yeah. I'm too scared to open it cuz I'll drink it in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. When the zombies come, that's when you pop it open, yeah. <laughs> crystal skull Molotov, that's all it's going to be. <laughs> Yeah, I'm amazed at how warm I feel after drinking any any ah, spirit. That's good. That, that's that, part of the that's part of the, the whole thing. Right? That's what we talk about. Before you talk about you know, drinking moderation, that yeah, you know, a few whiskeys, relaxed. It's kind of just about kind of Winding getting down. together and, and relaxing yeah. and enjoying and having, having a conversation. I think that's mm. why that's why alcohol's you know such a well, I say good drug of choice. I'm not sure that's the right type of words, <laughs> but no, because it's such a social aspect with drinking alcohol. Like you absolutely, don't, yeah, well, yeah. There, there should be obviously, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's that kind of it's not just about getting booze it's, it's how you get there that's always a, I think everyone always knows the funnest part of the night is getting there then all of a sudden you yeah, yeah, yeah. you're at Joe's Juice Joint or something <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're dancing around and you should be in bed but yeah, yeah. before that, that that's where all the fun happens you know so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that kebab at 4am <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that garlic sauce doesn't really react well with, uh, with, with spirits yeah is it true they called spirits spirits because they thought that people were possessed when they were drunk? Maybe. Oh, like, like, this is back in the, the olden days where, where they were yeah, like, oh, okay. he's possessed by, by spirits, you know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I always thought more because, wow, one of the kind of real romancing things about making spirits is you literally take something like a beer and then you distill it. So you're essentially taking the essence of that. So the you're spirit, taking that core, the, the spirit the of it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, we've done some really cool collabs with breweries who actually distilled their beers. A really good one we did was with um, Fell Brewing out mm-hmm. in the Swan Valley. Um, they made a beer called Babushka that we did a collab with them. Then we distilled a portion of that beer. Oh, yeah. And it was awesome because you try the beer first and then you try the whiskey and you do have those same characteristics that are coming through in that whiskey that you do with that thing, so that's right. what terms yeah. spirit. You know, you kind of it's like yeah, yeah. No, of. I think that's more accurate. It's it's all about the the essence of yeah, of it's it. kind yeah. of yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had a launch for that, right? Yeah, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. just recently. Because um, we made that over a year ago. Because it's a man, it's an intense beer. Um, it's called a barley wine because such a high proof beer. Essentially, it's um crazy mash with there's all sorts of stuff in there there was like different types of malts in there I think there was some German candy syrup and just crazy stuff all this goodness real hard to, to mash and make um, a bloke called Will who's out at um, Fell Brewing he's a, one of the brewers out there does all the specialty stuff just an absolute jet knocked up this beer and it's awesome but then we took that beer and we distilled a portion of it and we lined one of our ex-whiskey barrels with that distilled beer 
and then we put the beer back in the barrel. So it was like we aged the beer in its distilled spell or the spirit of itself, I suppose they yeah. just said then. <laughs> yeah. um, but a good thing with those barley wines and those bigger style of beers, they get better with age. So we tried that about a year ago and then the, a couple of kegs just sat around for a good year and they just got even tastier and tastier. So we actually did a launch of that um, recently um, down at Main Liquor, then a bit of an after party at Ezra Pound and stuff and um, kind of tried the beer after it's been sitting on sitting by itself for for a year oh, pretty, pretty tasty do you ever sit yeah. around like the end of the day and think oh if we we could make this flavour and just like come up with stupid ideas of how to make something that might taste good man all the all the time that's why I don't <laughs> sleep much I think yeah. gonna, there's was so gonna, many cool things you can you do that. hey like yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to ask you that if, if you if you could have free reign of any ingredient like what would you come up with oh like, so yeah what your like dream yeah you know? I love, I love grains like playing with different different grain bases and that's kind of what we like to focus on um I think, because like I was saying before, so those more single malt style whiskies, which are most it's all just malted barley, and most of those guys will buy malted barley from the same big monster. So you're losing some of that variety. Um, we've got a mate of mine, Justin, who's got a farm just out of Highbury. He's in Narragin, grew up with him. Um, we get grains direct from him. And when you get grains direct from the farmer, it's a nice point of difference. Um, it's also quite easy because he swaps them out for a bottle of moonshine and yeah. gives them for free and that. It's all <laughs> on, the, kind on the down low. Kind of simple things there, yeah. yeah. But, um, but those flavours you get from those raw grains is really, really cool. So what I love to do is just trying to find these unique grains that people aren't making whiskey from. Um, and there's a heap out there. It's just a matter of the time and getting them there to try and yeah. fit them in with everything else that Usually. we're doing. So. Oats. Yeah. yeah. No, oats, oats is a big oats one. A big um, one. Yeah. Especially there's a lot of four-grain whiskies in the States and they'll have like corn, oats, barley, wheat and that kind of thing. But I was talking about oats recently. Um, a guy I dropped in yesterday actually. Um, there's a, a cidery out in the Swan Valley called Funk Cider. Um, pretty cool guys. I actually met them the first time yesterday. But he's also got a farm and they've got spelt left over. So spelt's a grain, you spelt bread and stuff. And mm. So he's like, ah, oh, might have a you know, bulk of bag of that. You guys can have a place. I'm like, shit, yeah, because that's a whole other unique little aspect. That's why the mm. quinoa was so cool because it's kind of different. Yeah, so yeah. all these kind of unique grains that we get. And that's one of the biggest reasons for when you start a cidery in Western Australia is why we've got such good grains and unique shit going on. It's just a matter of getting it all and yeah, having a play so. tapping into to, to people doing yeah. like growing unique stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah you see I would put CBD oil I'd actually <laughs> put cannabis <laughs> in some of my my whiskey no yeah. they're actually experimenting with that you know California's pretty much spearheading all of that you know yeah, they're yeah. going crazy over there with the cannabis but you know everything from soda pop to like mm. teas to like sprays like oral sprays mm. of CBD you know yeah, they, okay. they, they, they isolate the THC and they, they get the psychoact- psychoactive properties away from it Yeah, and so you just get that body sort of high without the, the freaking out you know but mm. something like that would be interesting but I think I think they should probably stay separate yeah <laughs> alcohol, alcohol and weed should, should stay separate but that's like that, that trend so I kind of have those oxygen bars where people, yeah. people yeah, go to a yeah. bar and just get oxygen and they started having like flavoured oxygen mm. and shit like that. Yeah. Like, sure, that's not going to become a, a serious thing. Surely not. I think it already... I don't think oxygen can put over a good glass of whiskey. Nah. <laughs> no, but it has become a thing in, in certain cities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah apparently like, they're, they're selling China. Like, I think Britain was selling China or China was trying to find a way to basically have air in a can and they were selling it oh fuck I saw about that like yeah. clean air like clean you, air. you could get UK air in China and you crack it open and crack it sniff open the freshness sniff it. actually yeah. that's actually really sad because it goes to show how just fucking polluted China is that is that, that people is rough. pay money just to have like a sniff of air 
mm. because it's so smoggy and they even like I think in can't remember what city it was but they broadcasted a sunset on an LED screen because it was so oh, no smoggy way. that people couldn't see the actual sun. So they were simulating the sun on a screen just to make people happy. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just to visually, like, oh, cool, they can see the sunset. Now, that's fucking sad. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't they, they build, like, some really big vacuum cleaners or something and just, like, suck the air up and refilter it or something? Oh, well, surely the <laughs> technology exists. Yeah. Where they could do that, but <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So the, the other day here, when we we rocked up, I think they're, they're build they're burning a over the hills doing a burn back, and just all the smoke and stuff through the city. Oh like, shit, that was crazy! Yeah, yeah. Just, I actually like, remember rolling into work and going, "Fuck, are we in China today?" Like <laughs> it, was, it was that bad. It yeah. was like, yeah, yeah, all the smoke and shit. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, they they have like they're really lax with their open burning policies in Southeast Asia. So you go yeah. to Bali or Indonesia or even where I'm from in, in Brunei and they're, yeah, they're yeah. just like burning fields yeah. and, and then there's no regulation, you know. That's, that's one of those yeah. things I always got to step back and realise how lucky we are to have the oh, clean and all those sure. kind of things. But every, every society's been for that too. Like when we were just going through the industrial age, like, well, not us in Australia, but obviously in the UK and stuff like that, and even in Australia, everyone kind of went through that, I suppose. Mm. Just kind of lucky enough, I suppose, in Australia that it's a big, vast country and there wasn't that many people. Like, if you've got people going out through now and you've such got a dense population, like, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, even, even, like, Los Angeles has got the, the smog that sits yeah. over the city yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, when you fly in, you can see it. Mm. It's just, like, almost just, like, brownish yellow smoke over, covering the whole city because <laughs> yeah. um, you have to drive it like yeah. there's no way the, the public transport sucks so it's like everyone drives um, just adding to this huge fucking cloud over the city <laughs> yeah but that's the one thing I noticed when I was over there was like all my allergies just came up ah uh, right you know? yeah, yeah. yeah just um, you just get home and blow your nose and it's black you know <laughs> <laughs> That's unreal, hey. I know, yeah. 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 But you're right, we, we, we do have it really good here, yeah. especially in WA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should sell out here, maybe. We can go into business, you believe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Couple <laughs> of West Australian air, I don't know. <laughs> do, you, um, do you ship this stuff, like, uh, interstate as well? Um, yeah, so I talked about before, kind of small volume. So we're definitely in a few um, bars over east and that, uh, especially some of the kind of dedicated whiskey bars and that. Um, but yeah, real small volume, so it's only kind of just been trickling over there when people have kind of asked for it. Or, yeah. Um, I like the fact that you, you're still in, at that stage. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Do, do you think like growth can kill that sort of vision of, of, of a company sometimes when it gets too mass produced and watered down and they're, they're thinking more about volume than. Yeah, than I, think, I think that, um, that kind of all comes into it. So. You can be as big as you like if, as long as you've got good products and you like if this whiskey went all over the world we're making bulk volume that'd be fantastic if you had to cut corners and make a shitty product to get there it's probably not yeah. Yeah. it's great I suppose yeah, yeah. so I think anyone that you ever speak to that's doing good things in and making good products th- at the heart of it they've always got a really good passion and that experience they want to make good products mm-hmm. um, it's when obviously yeah things get involved but you know you can't always blame people there's you know what I mean they've been trying something for 15 years and all of a sudden they want to retire so they do something and you know. yeah but if you focus on good quality and you can get it out there it definitely gets harder but that's why a lot of the kind of education and actual the more of the kind of um, support from the public it's people wanting to pay a little bit more for good booze and enjoy it more and learn about it than buy the cheaper stuff and that's where it comes into it because if everyone thought like that 
And then you go back to that system where, you know, every big city would have its own brewery and everyone local would have those because, you know, I make my beers here and I supply the pub down the road as opposed to having big factories everywhere pumping them all over the world. You know, you've mm-hmm. kind of got that smaller kind of yeah. economies and that kind it's of... It's like grassroots kind of Yeah, yeah which is kind of yeah. nice. sense of community as well, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's those cool things where, you know, say if you're in... Remember, like, I just talked to my old man about a little bit how the different breweries and that, and they did some trip from Perth to um, Sydney, but they drove through Kalgoorlie, and that's where that Hannon's Lager was, because there was a brewery in Kalgoorlie, because no one could transport beer that far in kegs back, so you had to have a brewery there. So the only place you get Hannon's Lager, though, was in Kalgoorlie. And then when you went into Adelaide, the only beer you get there was Adelaide brew. And then, yeah, so you, yeah. you got all this unique shit just from travelling around, whereas you now, you know what I mean, like, fuck, you go anywhere, there's a dome cafe, serving fucking dome coffee. And <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, what the fuck? You want that uniqueness and the culture and that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that's, that's the one thing that I can imagine is just having like one one location one distillery you have a bit more control and you can oversee what happens yeah whereas yeah. if you had you know different distilleries it'd be hard for them I mean you'd obviously have a, whatever yeah. like mm. rules and stuff that they have to follow but it'd be hard to make sure that they all are producing in yeah. the same way if you know what I mean yeah and that's it and yeah. then to, to do things like that you generally have to obviously that's where things like you know they have additives and more kind of chemical analysis yeah, to make yeah. sure the consistency is there and blending and all that kind of stuff which mm. Yeah, but you know, I always never knock like people using technology. And so, if you're making good products and doing it in a good way, it's spot on. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to be you know doing things by hand to make good products and that, that kind of thing. But um, mm. that is that classic problem. Obviously, you try and get bigger, you have all those. It gets harder. So yeah, it's yeah. how you go about that. I suppose. You start getting r- robots in the distillery. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> Adding preservatives and all types of shit. In it. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, we're still very much craft the series. Yeah. Just me and me and Jimmy. And then you've got the two dogs that come in each day as well. Mm. Play, play a bit of tennis ball and eat That's up the awesome. mess. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool though. Like, yeah, I'm really happy that you came because it's like we're probably seeing the the inception of something that's going to be around for a while. No, you know, we hope know. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like 50 years, it'll be like the fucking, the hugest well, that, whiskey in, in WA. That's actually, that's the other thing I was thinking about today is I'm putting down barrels and stuff and doing things and you're kind of setting up procedures and tempos and how to do things and all that kind of shit. And it's like, if this get get big, like whiskeys are such a long game. I could be retired and there'd be some other dude here like cracking open a cask whiskey that I put down. That'd be awesome. Like, yeah. imagine, imagine that, you know, it's yeah. kind of the history. Leave, leaving behind like a, a legacy, really. Yeah. Yeah. To carry it on. Probably that old senile guy comes in, that's mine. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> that I home. That. <laughs> that's mine. Like, it's got my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> we, like it that, this could be the, the new Blackbeard's whiskey that gets dug up, you know. Oh, yeah. from the dirt in 500 it. years yeah yeah <laughs> you're doing an old time capsule there yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's but yeah that, that's that's really cool that we try to get people you know trying new things here which is really cool like yeah. in whatever industry or field they might be in whether it's film music or like yourself um making whiskey like it's still a creative process I think and it's yeah. not not that dissimilar to, to any art form I think for, for sure no, oh, yeah. absolutely the way yeah. that you've explained it is almost yeah like you're saying it's like an art form mm. coming up with those flavours and stuff yeah yeah mm. is that right? and this, the, the craft it's not just booze but the food industry is like people going back to producing them, them things themselves and focusing on quality and that kind of thing there's so many people out there doing such cool things and that's just in Perth and, and surroundings mm. like we're real small place like you compare it to the rest of the world what's going on in the states and that kind of thing is really good focus on it but the biggest thing that's been led by a lot of the public like we were talking about before like people were 
keen to know more. Like you go to the bar and you might look at that big whiskey board. Yeah, just buy whiskey. You go, where's that one from? Or what's yeah, exactly. You want, you want yeah, to know yeah. where it comes from and a bit of history yeah. and all that kind of stuff, which is which is really cool. So. Yeah, and I, and I suppose like nowadays it's kind of the the age of the entrepreneur. Like people yeah. are just kind of sticking their nuts on the line, like just to to try something to yeah. try and inject some life back in, mm. because um, I think people are a little bit sick of the whole mass produced thing. They they want something special, you know. Yeah, I think that's yeah. good. You know, and you you just kind of. Everyone has a lot more you know, accessible travel now. Like, you know, you look at the Darwin. Like my parents or grandparents ever even left WA. Are they kind of, yeah. But now you travel and you see things and you want to try new things and you do all that kind of stuff. Mm. And you go, if you do a bit of travel, you see something cool, you go, why is anyone doing that in Perth? There's a lot of Perth people do that. That's why I think Perth's so cool because yeah. people go, but they still want to come back and they just start doing these cool things from but then do it a little bit differently because mm. in Perth we're all a little bit different as well so it's kind of you know yeah 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 and, and so the people leaving Perth to, to, to kind of insert themselves into an industry that's already bustling it's like yeah. why not bring some of those innovations back and, and, and try something you mm. know I think yeah, Perth's really starving for that sort of thing um, yeah but it's really cool seeing like a, a network of people trying new things, you know. Yeah, and it, it all kind of feeds off each other. Like talk about, we do a few collabs with some local breweries and stuff like that as well, and it's great because if someone goes to say they went out to to Feral or went down to beer farm down in Metro Cup or something, and they had a great time drinking local booze, next time they're in Perth, they go to the local distillery. Well, fuck, maybe I'll give that a go as well. So it kind of all helps. Everyone's really supportive and helps everyone grow, and mm-hmm. you kind of feed off that energy. You know, if I go catch up with some people and they're doing something super interesting, that kind of makes me want to go try and do something yeah. or maybe use a bit of what they're doing and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's a really good kind of collaborative process, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, not to sound like a hippie old cunt, but you could actually, <laughs> like, you could pretty much live just off of local produce if you oh, really wanted to yeah definitely yeah. yeah. and then that in turn supports them which enables them to grow and, and, and to s- sustain themselves um, yeah instead of going to Woolies all the time for your veggies you know yeah that's yeah. it that's a yeah. you could have the old veggie garden in the backyard as well <laughs> exactly. right? and self-sufficiency that, that's yeah. a big thing as yeah. well like why not learn some of the craft and and, and try and uh, make your own ingredients, mm. maybe. You know, that's, that's, where it, produce. that's where it comes down to the consumer as well. Like, you, you can't just whinge about Coles and Woolworths if you're going to Coles and Woolworths. Like, exactly. If you're going to the local farmer and you're buying all your stuff, bombers, but, you know, it's, it comes from you know, the, the person himself to want that change. Because big businesses just do what makes them money. And if people want to go and pay money, there, they'll just keep doing that. So it's up to us to, to step back and go, well, no, fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to buy these radiated tomatoes that taste like shit I'm going to go to my yeah. mate who's growing these banging tomatoes and mm. eat them or like so. you know garlic from China I'm like it's funny yeah. <laughs> my mum's Chinese yet she doesn't trust Chinese yeah right <laughs> it's, 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 it, you know what I mean like not, not in like a racist yeah, way yeah. but she's like yeah don't eat the garlic from China because you don't know what they're doing to it like mm. garlic is supposed to rot but these cloves from China they don't they, a month later they look the same and you're like what are they doing to this fucking garlic yeah. Like what are they like GMO garlic? Like, I remember always yeah. that classic thing like you go buy fruit from like one of the, like Woolies or Coles or something, and it's unripe, tastes like shit. So I put it on the bench, and I swear I wake up in the morning and it's fucking rotten. I'm like, what the fuck's happened? It's just gone like that. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. I bought stuff direct from like farmers markets, and that shit was sitting in the crisper for like three weeks, man. Be like green ass, like yeah. no worries. It's <laughs> exactly. like, what are you doing to this? Like, you know, it's like they they stop it maturing, so it sits on the shelf quicker. But then somehow you take it home and goes, oh yeah. Time to relax and yeah. just go rotten. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, like speaking speaking of like 
people to grow their own food and stuff. Like, obviously, they go through a lot of permits and stuff that they have to mm. to be allowed to grow and then sell it to yeah. and stuff. Like, is there certain like hurdles and stuff that you guys have to go through? Government-wise, like permit-wise, yeah, I think um, like any sort of industry, especially um, for us and a few other things we've worked on, so there's always a lot of bureaucracy, and it always seems to be unnecessary. Um, and always trying not to get shitty at the people enforcing that bureaucracy because they're just doing their job. Mm. But do get a bit frustrated at the lack of emphasis to make a change. So someone will say. And they say you're trying to get a building approved for music or something like that and you need to get a noise report and you explain to them that you're only going to be doing this type of music at this time. And it all makes common sense. Yeah. But then they'll go, but I can't tick this box that says decibel is this level. It's like, well, no, because it can be this level because we've got this, this and this. It's like, yeah, but I still can't tick that box. So it's like denied or something like that. Same yeah. thing happens with kind of booze and liquor licensing or if people are growing things and that kind of thing. There's always this kind of unnecessary hurdles which then takes away from the people actually running the business and then anyone that can start their own business or do their own things generally real pressed for time so if they've got to spend time doing bollocks that means they don't get focused on business then the chance of that business probably succeeding is probably not going to happen because mm. that's the biggest thing well, there's some crazy stats there everyone that tries to start doing something cool and there's so much passion then that passion goes because they've got to yeah. deal with all this kind of kind of crap but yeah so before they even get a foot in the door they've, they've failed already because, yeah. Yeah, yeah but also so, yeah, there's, there's things in place and you get smart and you talk to the right people and just you know people I like to think generally people aren't assholes. You do meet assholes, but if you go to them and tell you what you want to do, you explain it properly. You know, you, you generally get some support and help, and it might take you a fucking long time to get there, but you'll get there. Whereas some people go, oh, bloody council or bloody racing game. You, know, you know what I mean? You kind of, yeah, it's not. You got to try and be as proactive as you can, I suppose. I don't yeah, know, that, try just try and come to a yeah. compromise and work around it. Yeah. But, but there is some some full dingbats out there though so you're gonna you're gonna get, <laughs> you're gonna get those <laughs> hey thanks for coming down man no no worries thanks for having us insightful chat because I never knew anything about the, the whole distilling process and that's really opened my eyes to just how much work is involved and, and time like time is a fucking huge factor in yeah. making this stuff because it's not like you can make it and pump it out you've got to make it and then wait essentially for a really long time no that's yeah. that's it but no thanks for having us down but like I was saying there's heaps of people doing some really beautiful things out there with local produce booze and food and that and um, mm. fortunately though because they spend so much time making it they don't get the time to get out there and push it so yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind yeah. of get more people to seek it out I mean, happy days <laughs> for everyone yeah. yeah man I'm really glad you came this is awesome yeah um, any shout outs uh, shout out to Hip Flask app mm-hmm. and to Giglist as well yep giglist.com.au if you want to check out the no frills text only Giglist um, and shout out to Rob at the Hand House as well yeah yeah. and, and yeah uh, thanks again Tim and um, no, no worries go out there and find yourself some upshot some whippersnapper whiskey yeah some upshot there, yeah. some crazy uncle and sit, uh, sit back and have a glass and listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, where can people find uh, Whippersnapper Yeah, well, um, definitely come see us. We're open seven days a week. Yeah. So definitely come down, um, come for a tour, come have a chat with me, show you right around, show what we do. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you've got a good independent bottle shop, definitely go in there. Or your local bar, just ask them for it. They probably should have it behind the bar. Yeah. Can you actually order this stuff online? Oh, yeah, we've got an online store as well. So yeah, yeah definitely cool. if you want to buy direct from us, no worries, just jump online. Um, yeah. All the stuff's online now as well. So Yep, so yeah. you can find it at uh, whippersnapperdistillery.com yeah that's and you can one. order some fancy pens that's it some pens <laughs> or some of these fine glasses you're drinking whiskey of right now yeah <laughs> yeah thanks so much man cool yeah, thanks thank guys you.